Cannot wait. Uh, mask on, mask off, doesn't matter. Uh, when, when, once you take a seat, feel yeah, free. You know, jack on, jack off. Let me start with it on. It's still really cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> the mask is coming off. Uh, you're going to probably want to move that microphone a little, a little bit closer to me. Yep. Okay. Uh, headphones on? Does yeah, 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 yeah. This is, the, this is the fun part. You get to listen to yourself. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> Justin, what's going on, man? Man, not much. You know, a lot of the everyday grind, everyone's going through the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of truck through it and, you know, try to get through all this, what's yeah. going on. So sorry that Mitch made you sit outside the pub in your car in the freezing cold. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <clears throat> we can't risk having something interesting be said before we start this. <laughs> this I know. I, well, I was actually getting dinner at Hunter's on Jay and then talking to my buddy Andy and he walks in I go oh man he walks over I go don't say a word <laughs> I know I even asked I said you know so what are we talking about and it was closed doors I was not allowed to know and it's all gonna be a surprise to me and I'm more couldn't be not more excited so we don't even know what we're gonna talk about hey so exactly. I guess we're all on the same page <laughs> that's what makes the podcast interesting yeah and I'm excited for it thank you so much for having me guys um, just give me one. Appreciate second. you joining us. By the way, I'm Merck. Uh, I, <laughs> Merck I've seen you. I've seen you around here a million times, but we've never been formally introduced. So pleasure yes. to meet you, dude. Pleasure to meet you as well. Um, I know Mitchell and Justin, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it is very. For, nice to meet Justin, you as well. just a heads up for the sake of this, uh, we'll call me JP and you Justin. Okay. Just yeah. Yeah. Two Justins. Differentiate it. Like I said, you're gonna want to move. Want me to come help you? Yeah. Can you guys not hear me all too well? You, you can hear guys too, right? Yeah. 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 So if I back away, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be a <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I don't do podcasts often, so. Merck, you don't. Oh. You don't actually know Justin. There. You haven't actually formally met him. There we go. I've seen him out and about, uh, but I just, you know, never. No. Never really. Uh, but, that's what I love about you, Merck. As soon as I said you want to get Justin on from Kabosha Lounge, you're like, yep. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody, man. Yep. There was no hesitation. You replied before Mitch did. Mitch knows him. Well, I guess that's good because we have something in common. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's yeah, get right started. Off. And I'm saying it right. Kaposha. Kaposha, correct. Kaposha. Yep. yep. All right. So I guess we'll start off today. It's a nice Irish name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start off today with uh, Justin Kaposha. Uh, uh, he is a wine expert. Uh, he and his family opened up a winery in 2012. Uh, they had a wine lounge that they opened in downtown Schenectady. He uh, started Kick Flies Quality Hemp. Yep. Last year. Mm-hmm. Um, in the cryptocurrency world, and uh, he's kind of the jack of all trades between construction, playing music, and all the above. So, Justin, thanks for uh, joining us today. I am very happy to be here. So, <laughs> ask away. <laughs> Welcome, dude. Uh, so, we like yeah. to start out each podcast with a very simple question If money didn't exist, didn't matter, what would you be doing right now? Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, I will be honest. I still would be making wine. Um, that's not a big money maker. I mean, trust me, it is. Um, but the way that I want to say it, I guess, or frame it is it's been a passion of mine for a very long time. I remember being, you know, I used to live next to my grandparents. And when I was a little kid, I'd walk over there and I always wanted Sprite. 
but I always needed to try the family wine first uh, <laughs> at five years old. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't able to leave until I tried it, and I always loved it, and it's always been in the family. And when my grandparents came over from Italy, um, you know, they brought over their wine press, and that was what was important to them. So I wanted to carry that on. So honestly, if I really had to say what I'd be doing if money was on issue, I'd probably still be making wine. Um, obviously, I would love to be a musician. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'm definitely nowhere good enough to be a musician, yeah. but um, you know, those are the things that I would love to do. And I think that I fit very well into what I'm doing currently because you know they do say that if you love what you do every day, it's not a job. And for me, it hasn't been a job. Uh, I work countless hours a week. Um, I've done so much in that realm and I just, I love it so much that regardless of the money, uh, and it's been tough, especially during COVID, but you know, I'm doing what I actually enjoy and I can't imagine doing anything else to be honest. So do you still have that, uh, wine press or grape press? Absolutely. All the yeah. wine is made through that. Yep. Really? 100%. Okay. Really? Wow. How old yep. is it? It's, it's, Oh, it's old. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's definitely older than me. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought it over on the. I mean, obviously, I was not alive when my grandparents came over, so it's it's pretty old. Um, we still use it. It's the way that I prefer making wine from. Okay. Uh, I think it just gives it a different kind of feel, especially with making it. Um, we had opportunities to upgrade where we thought maybe it would speed up our process, but at the core root of it, if you love something so much. And that's the way you know how to do it, and that's what makes you have fun. Mm -hmm. That's the way we do it. Yeah. So no bare feet stomping the grapes. <laughs> no bare feet stomping the grapes. Although that does make it pair well with cheese because you know the toe cheese that's inside. Your <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, unfortunately, my wine maybe doesn't pair as well with cheeses and others, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's the reason why. <laughs> Nice. So now, most vineyards are not in upstate New York. How many? Yeah. How many total vineyards are in upstate New York, along with yours? So now, in upstate New York, if you if you look at it as you know the capital region, there is not many grapes being grown here. So we all always have to go out to the Finger Lakes or we'll go down to Long Island, um, Lake Erie region, the Buffalo area. But there's actually a misconception with grape growing in the state of New York. Uh, New York is actually number one in grape growing. Uh, California is actually number two in grape production, but California beats us in wine production because they're growing a lot of wine grapes as where we're growing a lot of juice grapes for, let's say, Welch's. Oh, okay. Uh, so we were actually probably one of the biggest suppliers of Welch's really? uh, here in the state of New York. Yeah. And uh, actually, most people don't know this as well, but New York State actually has over 70 varieties of grapes, and we have a lot to... Um, Thank with Cornell with their breeding program, and uh, we were lucky enough one year that uh, we knew the president of the Grape Growers Association out there, and they gave us the opportunity to try out a brand new grape called New Array, which we do sell currently, and we are so happy that we were small enough of a vineyard um, that they grew such a small portion of it, they let us try it out, and it ended up being a killer wine for us, and now the whole industry take on or has taken on to it, so... It's a pretty cool wine culture in New York State. How long before, so, so when you plant or start the, 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 the wine, or the, not the, the vine of yep. the grape, mm -hmm. to you can actually harvest the, the grapes for making the wine? So when you first plant grapes, typically, so you never grow them from the seed. It's, uh, you know, you, you root them, you force root them. From cuttings? From cuttings, okay. exactly. Mm -hmm. So from that point even, so even though that it has already a year of growth, 
Uh, it takes about another three years to see grapes, and then it takes about four to five years to actually get something you could actually use, oh, wow. if that makes sense. So okay. it's still a long time. If you grow from seed, um, and that's what they do when they crossbreed, that's why crossbreeding takes so long. Uh, you know, it, it takes, on average, you know, 10 to 15 years to actually get a new variety to come out because it takes so long from seed to actual growth of the grapes that come out of the plant. Um, and they're crossbreeding with cross-pollinating and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it takes a while. You know, people don't realize when you put a vineyard in, you may not see returns for another three to four years. So you need oh, to really wild. plan ahead in the wine industry. Absolutely. That's crazy. When, so do you guys do much with, uh, or do you have many disease or insect problems with those? Or how do you manage that? You know, we've had a few, but we don't spray. We're very cautious about spraying or mm -hmm. using any kind of pesticide. Yeah. Um, we don't even really... Uh, fertilize all too much. Right. Grapes are very independent when they grow. They depend on you, you know how much water they intake in the sunlight they're receiving. So you really don't want to put too much water to the grapevines, uh, especially towards the end of the season, because when it's wet and it rains, the grapes want to produce more acid, and that's very detrimental to wine. I mean, you don't want a lot of acid in your wine. So you, what you want is the sugar content, mm -hmm. and that's what creates the alcohol. So you want the sugar to be anywhere between, you know, 20 to 24 bricks to get you to the 12 and a half to 13% alcohol. Gotcha. Do you irrigate your, your vineyard at all or is that just natural? We don't. We naturally grow everything yeah. and we trellis the correct and, you know, the more proper way, I guess, to trellis. It depends whether it's a hybrid of vinifral or, um, you know, a native variety such as Concord, which everyone, I think, knows what a Concord grape is, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's just the normal, yeah, normal grape. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you, you buy Welch's grape juice and it says Concord and things, so I feel like everyone just knows what Concord I, grapes I, are. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, you now, know. Justin, is your vineyard like one that people can visit during the warmer months or? No, see, we've, we've struggled so hard and it's it came down to the local municipality and it was very unfortunate for us that we were in a tight spot with our location where we were at in Iskuna. We weren't really, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the community loved us. The community wanted us to open immediately and they couldn't wait. And we were open for about three months and it went off very well. And we were so happy with it. And then all of a sudden, apparently they didn't understand what the tasting room was and we had to shut down. So it's very unfortunate. I understand government regulation mm -hmm. uh, and we always try to abide by government regulation. We're not those people that are like, you know, <laughs> against the government, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not us. Uh, we want to play by the fair rules. We want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it works out beneficial for not only our company, but also our customers, as well as the government involved. Hmm. Now, those reasons, is that what caused you to or, or motivated you to open up the tasting room in, in Schenectady? 100%. We uh, actually reached out to Schenectady Metroplex, which is a very good tool for downtown. Yeah. I don't agree. Maybe sometimes uh, the people that they choose Mm -hmm. um, but we were a recipient, so I can't ever knock that. And like I said, they are phenomenal for downtown. They've created so many projects, so uh, you know, and you can't knock anything that they've done. And I'm so grateful for being a part of that program. I've learned so much, uh, you know, presenting to them and seeing what a community needs mm -hmm. and what a community wants to give that dream to the community. So nice. Now. You had the tap room open or tasting room. Uh, I know you had some good craft beer there. I used to visit you when you were yeah. open. Um, you had that open for how long? 
It was the we had a three year lease there, and I I want to say everything went very well, mm-hmm. and we had a good reaction with the community itself. Uh, unfortunately, there was a little tiff, I guess you could say, between us and the landlord. We couldn't really agree on certain things with noise levels and stuff like that, which is totally understandable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's a, it's a tough. It's tough. You know, we have people that live upstairs. Uh, Mitch, I know that maybe, I, I'm sure they probably soundproof this room, um, but people oh, yeah. live upstairs here. So if they did not do that, then yeah. they'd probably be a little angry because it's a bar and, you know, people are trying to sleep upstairs. So yeah, I totally get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we were trying to make things work with both of us and it, it wasn't getting there. Yeah. So when our lease was up, we decided to exit out. Uh, we want to find another location. We're trying to relocate the winery currently. Okay, yeah. So that's another... Even, uh, even the winery? Even yep. The, the, land, the land and everything? Yep, everything. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so we're in a big transition mode for our company. And I feel like we left abruptly, and I never had the closure that maybe the community wanted. Yeah. But um, it, it was not a reason of us struggling, I guess, to keep things going. It was, there was family issues involved. There was, you know, issues with the location we were at. Mm -hmm. So now we're trying to really look at things and make sure we all, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's (laughs) to make sure that we don't run into this issue ever again. Yeah. Uh, But the experience that I learned across the board, like along the way has been phenomenal. And the people that I've met have been life-changing, honestly. Mm -hmm. How many acres is your vineyard taking up? Our vineyard right now is taking up only three acres. And okay. as you know, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes a lot of grapes to get the juice out. Yeah, you know? yeah. What, what kind of volume do you get out of three acres? of? It's not much. And we typically go out to the Finger Lakes every year and we harvest our grapes ourselves. We truck okay. it all back. Really? But, yep. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our grapes do come from the Finger Lakes. So that's just the way of nature, I guess, for wineries and even breweries in this area. I mean, we have to go out to farmland to get yeah. the resources that we need to make our product. Mm-hmm. And is that cost of effective? No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bitch. Uh, I, I'm going to say no, but, you know, in the same respect, you know, it, it also takes a lot of time, money, and energy to make your own vineyard and to maintain that vineyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why, you know, maybe it's easier than all the water and all the time you're spending out there right. to hop in a truck and, you know, source. Right. And, you know, you have the price of the, the wine and maybe sometimes people will say, hey, you're too expensive mm-hmm. or... You know, it's just, you know, I can go to the liquor store and buy a $5 bottle. You know, there's different parameters here in New York. There's different guidelines. There's different taxes that we pay here. Mm -hmm. So for us local guys, it's hard to get those margins correct. And so we don't ever, you know, if a wine comes out phenomenally well, we don't price gouge just because it's well. Yeah. Um, You know, I personally, like, I don't put a product out unless it's up to my standard. So, you know. When now that structure you know, how, how do you guys get taxed? I'm, I'm just curious on how, I mean, I know with breweries and everything, you know, obviously liquor licenses. Oh yeah. How does that work in the wine industry? I mean, do you guys obviously pay a manufacturing license? How, how do they, where does all that money go? <laughs> where, does it, where does it go? That is a great question. Um, that's a, something we should probably ask Cuomo. Um, but um, I won't go there. Uh, actually, Cuomo's actually done very well for the wine industry uh, in the very beginning. I have quarrels with, him, or quarrels with him with other industries that I'm in, but with the wine industry, he did very well. Yeah. Uh, and in the craft world too. In the cra- exactly. Yeah. So and, and I fit. I should have br- brought it in out a little bit. 
the craft world. So craft breweries and these big on farms. So to get a farm license is very cheap. It's very easy to obtain. The only issue is you need to use New York State fruit, but that's okay with me because I'd rather support my neighbors than buy, let's say, from California. Because there's no reason. We grow so many grapes in this state. Why would I buy from California? Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so as far as the taxes go, you know, we pay an excise tax. So the liquor is consumed. We pay the, the regular sales tax. Mm -hmm. We pay our income tax. Yep. Um, you know, there's always the sin tax in there. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's MT40 tax, which is essentially it's a double accounting standard, but they want their cut. Why? I don't know, because you're essentially just telling them how much wine you went through and they're taxing you. And it's it's minuscule. It's it's really, you know, maybe like two cents a gallon or something. OK. And it's like, why are we even being taxed on it? <laughs> it I feel like it takes more time to yeah, actually to go it. through the paperwork and pay <laughs> someone to look at the paperwork than what it's worth. Yep. Um, but it's something that we pay. Uh, you know, so there's multiple taxes and that's going to be in any industry that, like I say, is a sin tax. Okay. You know, yeah. How, how has COVID uh, impacted the business in terms of, I know when you close down the tap room, it's connected. Um, you transitioned to like a delivery model. It yeah. was like same day delivery, you were advertising yeah. for your sangria, your wines, everything else. Has it been uptick with more people staying at home and doing things in their backyards and at home or what's your business been like? I got to say, blessing in disguise. Honestly, <laughs> you know, we did not want to close. We really did not. Yeah. And we were having such a great time down there. And like I said, I met so many people. I wanted to keep that train going. I had yeah. such a phenomenal time down there. And what a beautiful building it was, um, uh, truthfully. And looking back, I'm so happy that we ended up moving and, on and, yeah. and, and moved out. Because I can only imagine for you, Mitch, especially like, it's got to be tough. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. I've got so many friends in the bar industry and I hear the same story over and over. And it's like the relief is just not there. Not yet. And I feel terrible. I really do. Because yeah. how am I supposed to sell something to someone when I know they're struggling? Yeah. yeah. So I even feel bad taking money for the product that I'm giving. <laughs> it's like I almost want to give it away. <laughs> you know, it's like I almost want to give it away because I don't have that overhead that... You know you guys have and um, COVID has been pretty decent I like our delivery model right now it is instant delivery mm -hmm. so we offer it through our website so we're kind of like Grubhub but for wine and sorry it's only for our wine I don't go to liquor stores and pick it up for you but what's, what's the website it is kaposhawines.com okay and that is our main website yep. and you go right to the purchase thing you can go and say you know free local delivery and we That's deliver cool. locally for free mm -hmm. And we typically offer discounts uh, from time to time. Right now, we're doing 10% off if you put in code CWINE10. Okay. So um, it's been working out phenomenal, and people have been very receptive to the fact of the delivery, for sure. What kind of varieties do you have available? Yeah. So, like I said, we really love local, and we want to support Cornell and what they've done in crossbreeding. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of hybrid varieties. So if you ask us, you know, what's your, what's your best Cabernet? We typically don't have one from time to time. We've, we've made Cabernets in the past, okay. but we're in the hybrid grape varieties because there's so many different flavors that it gives off that the rest of the world has no idea what they're like. So we want to really highlight those oh, okay. when New York has to offer. So this is a co-op with Cornell? No, no, no. We have no affiliation with okay. Cornell, but we are using their grape varieties that they produced. So they, came, so they came up with a grape seed or what have you. Yeah, so they crossbreed it and they, they mate a male and a female of two different varieties. Okay. And now they created a whole new strain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, <laughs> it's cool explain stuff. To me it's as like a, stuff. explain to me as a novice of wine, 
my sister is big into wine down like Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. And she always talks about natural wine versus traditional wine. Okay. What's the difference between that like natural wine, this big craze right now? It's it's kind of like the hazy IPAs that have been the big boom right now in the beer industry. Like what's right. the natural wine craze? Hmm. Natural wine craze. That is a very good question. If I had to think what they're thinking when they think natural wine, I would Mm -hmm. have to assume organic, uh, no sulfites. Typically, now I'm I'm not going to lie to anyone here. We sulfite our wine, and we do very minimal sulfites. What's that? So sulfites are what preserve the wine. So it'll sit on the shelf, but you know the alcohol percentage isn't there like a liquor that'll make it stay forever and it won't ever go bad. Okay. So mm-hmm. in wine, you have to add sulfites to it to preserve the flavor profile and preserve, you know, so make sure no bacteria grows in it mm-hmm. and it's still the wine that you expect to have when you open up the bottle. Because when you yeah. put a wine into a liquor store and it may sit on the shelf for, that's a great sound, honestly. <laughs> that, that even threw me off. I'm like, I got another one coming? Or, yeah. No, but <laughs> I still got to go on mine. But, uh, you know, so if it's got to sit on the liquor store shelf, you need to make sure that when the customer gets it to their house, that it's not going to be completely terrible. Yeah. Because then they'll never buy you again. So when I'm competing yep. against other people, it's hard to not sulfite your wine. So to go back to your question, natural wine, I'm assuming they're saying it's sulfite-free, organic, and all that. Got we it. are organic, absolutely. We don't spray anything, like I said. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the fact of not using sulfites, but we're pretty much against that because it's people want to say that it gives you the headache and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, like, oh, I'm allergic to sulfites. Well, they use it in beer, too, rare. don't they? They do, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In certain cases, beer has a higher yeah. turnover rate, so they typically don't have to okay. because it's being turned over so fast, where wine, it's going to get put in a bottle, it'll mm-hmm. sit on a shelf. Like, it might take a, yeah, it might take a year or two before you want to dive into it. And most liquor stores are going to keep it at the right temperature. You know, sometimes you're working in a liquor store and it's mm-hmm. the middle of summer, it, mm-hmm. it could be hot as hell in there. Yep. And does, does that affect the, the wine? Yeah, you know, if it's not properly sulfited, you know, okay. so that's why we put the sulfites in to combat that and make sure that it stays with the longevity of the shelf life. So, hmm. when, when, when wine is being aged, when you like taste it, do you have like an idea of like, all right, this should sit for two more years before it's going to taste like at its prime? Is there any way to judge that or is that just. I do got to say that's probably a lot personal opinion. Okay. You know, hmm. there is guidelines and there are certain time lengths that people like to age certain wines, especially if it's oaked a certain way. But at the end of the day, if you're not tasting it constantly, you may miss the boat because not every wine is the same. Year to year, it may change. Mm -hmm. Vintages are always going to be different. And, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, I only like wine from a certain year. And I asked them, well, what from what region? And they came to town with the region. It means that they had one good wine from a certain year, and they can't tell me the region because a region, you know, a region like here in New York, we may have a great year, yeah. but France may have a terrible year. Okay, really? We're on the opposite side of the yeah. world, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to be different from year to year. So you have to constantly taste it to answer your question. Yeah. What do you think the factors are that that make a year different from another one? Uh, is it is it the weather? Is it Definitely weather. Weather? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Weather plays a very big role. So that's like the as the grape is developing, um, like you were saying earlier, with the amount of sugar and maybe mm-hmm. when it's harvested and stuff like that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Justin, have you ever watched the Netflix special, like The Making of a Sommelier? <laughs> you know, I, I have people tell me to watch that, and I have not watched that. You- it's, oh, I, I know, no. I know. It's almost sacrilegious. I, 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 it's terrible that I have not watched that. <laughs> so it, it reminded me because of his question about the regions, because 
they go on there and they'll do that little swish and spit thing into a tin and whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll be able to tell the year, the county within the region, and the type of flavor profile, like the grape harvest that came from. How is that possible? I don't get how someone's <laughs> tongue can be that spot on. Honestly, some people are just that good. <laughs> That's not me, though, unfortunately. <laughs> that is fascinating to me. It honestly is fascinating. And I, they do a lot of training. You know, it's, it's training that I don't do. I'm more focusing on my brand. So I'm worrying about the wine that I'm making. Right. But these sommeliers, they go through extensive training to, yeah. and they do cross-reference tasting. So, you know, they know that that it came from that area because they've already tasted certain minerals that came from the soil from that area. So what? it gets pretty in-depth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a very intricate world when you start talking wine. What's it take to become? My only wine? ask is after this podcast, please go home and watch that Netflix special. <laughs> you know, I think I have to now, and now I have to. Please. Yeah, absolutely. What's it take to become a sommelier of that? Lots of classes. Yeah. You know, there's. I think it's stage one through five. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, JP. Yep. Did the show tell you? I mean, <laughs> I might learn something too when I look at that show. <laughs> It stressed me out watching the show, what these people were going through. They were (laughs) all stressed out, too. Listen, if you're stressed out, I'm going to be extremely stressed out if I'm watching that show. Oh, I can't even imagine. That's why I was hoping you watched that. (laughs) It's like uh, Dwight from The Office, and he's explaining how good the paper is, and it starts with the soil. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's the same in grapes. It's the same thing. Same thing. (laughs) Now, one day when we were sitting in your tasting room, we got to talking about Bitcoin. Yes. And you talked about making your own coin in yes. cryptocurrency. Yes. And I brought my friend Chris in, my neighbor, who Very is one of the early the adopters of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, you guys got to talking about it. So you said you were going to make your own coin. Did you ever pursue that? You know, I did pursue that. And I've been in it for a very long time. Uh, cryptocurrency is kind of like, I would want to say maybe my biggest hobby. Uh, I remember in high school, I created a website called JBids and I was in the e-commerce class and my teacher would say, Hey, what are you doing over there? It's not the school website. And a friend of mine would vouch for me and say, yeah, I think it's a little bit more important. And it was, it was all fun and games then, but I held on to this thing called Bcash. And I guess from reading in the history of Bitcoin is they were going on these no name like classified ads websites, which is what that was. It was kind of a hybrid between classified ads and eBay, which is now the current Bzid. And I, you know, that website did get hacked. So I'm assuming Bzid hacked me because I never seen anyone pop up with a website just like mine (laughs) other than Bzid. But uh, it's all hearsay. And, um, you know, I was holding on to these things and I had them on pennies on the dollar. I think for $5, I bought 350 of them. And it went up to $3 a piece. And I go, hey, I'm in high school, sell. It's time to sell, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I need new lacrosse gear. I mean, who knows, who knows what the, the situation oh, was at the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sell it out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I made it, right? Cool. And then uh, years later, I think it was 2011, 2012 ish. You know, my younger brother comes up to me, uh, Michael, and he's like, hey, have you ever heard of this Bitcoin thing? And he showed it to me and I go, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I saw it was at $90 and, what? and I almost wanted to cry. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're kidding me, right? Uh, you know, I, I had this stuff, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. You do the math right now, guess what 350 Bitcoin are? The price is 23,000 of Bitcoin. So <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. the stuff that'll keep you up at night, you know, so. 
but ever since then, I've always been totally into it. I love to mine it. I think it's such a cool concept. I think it's the future of money, honestly. But to do be you, honest. is it worth mining it? Uh, not anymore. With, with you know, electricity no. and everything. I know what I wish I did was when I was at Plattsburgh was using the dorm room power <laughs> to do it. Yeah, and, and, back, and back then it was well, actually feasible. You could mine it back then. And I was mining it back then. And I would even rent out my miners to people on eBay for 24 really? hours. Yeah, and they would pay me cash for me to mine for them for 24 hours. You type in their parameters. Uh, my younger brother did most of that. Really? Uh, I knew how to do it, but he was a lot quicker and better at it than I was. And it was lucrative. And it was lucrative, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it and Mitch, be. speaking of Plattsburgh, their power grid, they do like a co-op power where they buy a certain amount and then everyone pays basically the same amount in the city. Yeah, yeah. They were the first city in the entire country to ban crypto mining because, <laughs> well, because the power was how, so cheap. how low their energy cost yeah. was exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, they got a lot from a lot of they were going there. power from Canada, right? They get a lot of wind, uh, turbine power from Canada, I believe. Uh, well, within like Clinton, Essex, Franklin County, they have a lot of wind power up there, like turbine yeah. power in, in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, Mitch, it's actually funny you say that because a lot of companies here in the U.S. that are um, firms that are mining cryptocurrency, yeah. they're actually, some states require you to have renewable energy as your source of power. So really? You, you, you can't, have, even, you can't even use the grid? Correct. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because it's gotten ridiculous. Yeah. There are companies out there like Bitmain mm-hmm. that have so much electricity usage and it's very detrimental honestly to the, the environment to the environment yeah. which mm-hmm. is another reason why i'm very environment conscious so the cryptocurrency that we tried to make it was gem global exchange medium i was actually on abc 10 i was in the times union for it i ended up stopping the project because i was very scared about regulation and luckily for me i got out at the right time because now you look at a a very reputable cryptocurrency, actually third largest by market cap in the world, Ripple, XRP. Mm-hmm. Today, they actually just got a lawsuit from the SEC for $1.8 billion. What? Why is that? Wow. Um, because they were a comp- Ripple was a tech company okay. and they created XRP, which is the separate entity of the cryptocurrency, but they were selling it off. Okay. So you're not allowed to have the entire volume of a cryptocurrency right. and sell it off because then essentially it's, a, it's an offering. Yeah. So the SEC views that as you know, you're selling stock mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, yeah, essentially. You know, as where I was giving it away for free, mm-hmm. I implemented... Mm-hmm. Let the demand do its job. Let the demand do its job. And it was it was secure, it was fast, but I, I didn't want to carry on. It was too... Now, but how do you start a cryptocurrency? So actually, it's not <laughs> as hard as you may think. It, it may t- it, you know, some people that are really fluent in computers, it takes them about 15 minutes. You know, That's you, it. I can make you a cryptocurrency, you know, probably in this segment if you really want me to, if you want to really well, I mean, computer out. But uh, what, let's do that for a JC pup. Let's get some yeah. fun, money flowing through here yeah, for once. I was saying, JC, yeah, right? JC pup coin. Yeah, JSP coin. <laughs> yeah, JSP. Yeah. Or uh, C, JSC. Um, but, uh, actually, the gentleman that owns the ATM in JSP. Yeah. He started his ATM business because he got into Bitcoin very, very early. He, uh, he, he, he held on to it. He didn't sell it at $90 a piece like you did. Uh, <laughs> I wish I sold it even at $90. $5. I actually met him at the Shaker and Vine one day, and this kid was wearing like a beat-up raggedy white T-shirt, a pair of gym shorts that looked like it was from 1989, and had a Samsung Galaxy S4. Yeah. And he pulled out his phone, and I was really like, how are your ATMs doing? He has about 50 of them. He goes, well, I've made about $34,000 today on my Bitcoin ATMs. <laughs> That's crypto rich, baby. That's wild. Isn't it wild? <laughs> it yeah. was insane. And he's like, yeah, I hired my mom now. She lives in New Jersey and like 
collects from the ATMs for me and drives like a no, Volkswagen. I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I used to accept wine for Bitcoin and there was this little Bitcoin community that was around the capital region. And this was way back. I'm, we still had our tasting room was still open. So that's back in 2012. And this dude was buying wine. And I remember a bottle of New Array, let's say, you know, went for... 0.08 Bitcoin, you know, in today's numbers, that's almost two grand. So I'm selling bottles of wine for two grand a pop. And, uh, you know, what's really unfortunate, though, the account that I had that was accruing that money, I, you know, Bitcoin was up and down, it was very volatile. So I didn't really keep track at points. And I ended up losing, back then, you had to have a special 23 character key. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. you put in your email address and a, you know, password that you could remember. It's something that you will never remember but you have to you know, store it in a safe place. It's not like that anymore. You can go have a Coinbase account and it's email and password. Yeah. yeah. But back then it wasn't like that. It was kind of like the Wild West. You know, people were, there's no regulation on it. There's, you know, I, people could steal it. Um, and I lost all the information. That's so all the, the money I made off selling my wine for the cryptocurrency, gone. I, I, it's gone. There so, was a story of this Jeez. guy I was reading on and basically he had gotten into Bitcoin early in the, in the, early in the 2000s. Yeah, you know, like like you, mm. and uh, he used his laptop and everything to mine it, and that that twenty three character thing was on that computer. That's where he had it saved, and that went to the landfill. It went to a landfill. Oh, terrible. He, <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, terrible, terrible. And so the amount that he said was on there was worth over three hundred million dollars, and he was offering a hundred, like half of it, if someone could yeah. find the laptop. He would log into it and they could split the money. Literally unbelievable. He like paid for, <laughs> oh I think, a month to have that landfill closed down. <laughs> yeah. Excavators come in right? and was digging no, for it. And buy the landfill. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> remember <laughs> why it got thrown out. It was thrown out by accident, or I believe. Yeah. Listen, sometimes so, that happens. Justin, just if you had held on to those, it would be worth $8,050,000 yeah, $50, right now. I wouldn't be here yet. He would not be on this podcast. Yeah, I know <laughs> Joe Rogan talking about it. Here, here it is. Man accidentally threw away $127 million in Bitcoin. Unbelievable. And officials won't allow a search. Bulldozer pushes trash into piles at a landfill in San Diego, California. <laughs> he kept the drive he used to collect the Bitcoin. So if they can get the Bitcoin, uh, the, the drive, they can get the Bitcoin. It's still there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 where, so where is this landfill anyway? So it's in San Diego. Do I, um, San, I was yeah. gonna say, do I have to make a quick trip or Miramar <laughs> landfill in San Diego? Jeez, you That's know, and there's there's so many sob stories because us early adopters, essentially at the time, you're just thinking it's play money. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't yeah. think twice. Yeah. You, yeah. It's like all you understand when you're growing up is the U.S. dollar is what makes you purchase things. If you want a new laptop, you buy it in cash. Right. Um, or credit card, whatever. Yeah. But people didn't understand that this could be a, a way of transferring wealth, I guess. And do you think it's the way of the future? Yeah. 100%. And I, yep. I was very, very passionate about it when I was interviewed by ABC10. And they, their financial analyst went against my word. But, I mean, who's laughing now? I mean, <laughs> <Yep. price>. <laughs> <laughs> I so, mean so when you when you create a, a new cryptocurrency it's the same premise of the computers mining and solving problems you're just a different it's so it's yes and no so everyone wants to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. 
And Bitcoin, actually, there's not much special to it. It's actually, I mean, it's the first, so it's always going to be the grandfather of cryptocurrency. So everyone's going to view it as the cryptocurrency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I had a special parameter where we had proof of stake. So proof of stake is if you hold on to the coins, almost like a accruing interest savings account mm -hmm. for the coins that you hold, you're accruing stuff in return. So you're, you're, you're getting... I think mine was set at 2%, which was just less than you know, regular GDP inflation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was variable. So let's say inflation that year, or let's say if it fell between 2.5 and 3.2, I could change the parameters within my coin and fork it off and actually give the people a coin that kept up with inflation, as where the US dollar can't do that. You know, well, they can, but it typically devalues. It never increases. It does the opposite. Yeah. Right, yeah. So where I can make it either way, if there was not enough in circulation to smooth out the price and make it a day-to-day -day tradable currency where you could actually buy goods and services, you need to have a way to put more into the circulation. Or let's say that it's not worth enough, you dial back the proof of stake, and that way you're not giving as much out to the community. But it makes the dollar the, the value of what you're transferring. And that's all it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be an exchange medium. And that's all that the US dollar is. So yeah, it regulates it, how much right. it can increase and decrease in value. Correct, yeah. And that's what that that's what the having is, correct? Um, so yeah, that's how they, they combat it now. Uh, but the currency that I had was variable proof of stake. So I was yeah. able to go and implement it myself without the having that happens every uh, couple of years. So Yeah, gotcha. Do you think there's going to be any issue with multiple cryptocurrencies out there? It's already well, happened. Already happened. Yeah. But it, is, is there any issue with it? Or is well, you, you have someone that starts one, tries to inflate it, get rich, and sell. Yeah, there's That's, a lot of those guys out there. You know, so the, the you know, it's basically like a penny stock. Yeah. You're like, oh, like, hey, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. Dogecoin. Yeah, you know. Yeah, do Dogecoin. Doge, <laughs> yeah, I think I have that. Yeah, I, 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 I have Dogecoin too. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's it's Elon Musk's favorite coin. I mean, he likes it more than Bitcoin. Yep. So really? Why would you not listen to Elon Musk? Right? It's, 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 it's available on Robinhood right, right, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you get on Robinhood. Yep, absolutely. And I, I think it was Dogecoin at first. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no affiliation with Dodge. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your Dodge Dart coin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, I so absolutely are, love you're big into the music scene too. And are you involved with that at all locally or you just do it for a hobby? I always did it as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Me and my buddies would always like to play instruments and it was never anything serious. Uh, you know, we played our our eighth grade uh, school uh, talent show and that was about it. And my uh, stardom, I guess you could say, in that realm, it wasn't very extravagant. Still talking about it, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, can't get over it. <laughs> um, you know, we were supposed to play Inner Sandman and that never happens. Really? I mean, it was gonna be badass, I'm not even gonna lie. Well, what, um, eighth grade? Yeah, yeah. it probably would've sounded terrible. So um, <laughs> anyway, so that's the only time that I've ever played in front of someone. Actually, I did play in front of a uh, high school graduation. You're full of shit. Like, You're telling me that you never played that guitar for a girl? No. <laughs> No, that oh, would come I, on. <laughs> come on, that's what I used to do. Well, but see, if I did that, they would instantly not even look at me <laughs> is the problem because I'm just not good at it. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, I could I could play up and down, but people usually tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, I played no, Friends right. in Low Places at JSP one night on yes, the guitar. Yes, you did. Yes, oh, you did. Jeez, well, so why don't we I get don't, a duet going? I don't, I don't play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, he definitely does not. That was a well, wild you, well, you night. Well, you know something. 
It was definitely worth paying to see, though. See, yeah. that's the thing. Maybe that's maybe that's the new thing. Maybe that's the calling. You know, people want to see us just mess up all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> exactly. There you go. How to make money during COVID. Yeah. Let people laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Proven. I, I told uh, Terry from Backstage, he was uh, on the first episode. I said, dude, you need to do delivery and dance to people. People would crack up laughing and everyone would love it every time you dropped off a delivery. You know, I read that. Error. I didn't read that. I'm sorry. I watched that. And yeah. It was so funny. I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking because I go to backstage all the time. Yeah, what you? a great restaurant. Yeah. In a bar. And <laughs> I love Terry. He's doing the right thing over there. And I could just imagine that, you know, you see this big ass dude. <laughs> He's just burly dude. Yeah, just burly Here's dude. Just, burger. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you a little break dance real quick. He is smooth. He, he is. This video is Have you ever seen this video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, He's really good. smooth. He's yeah, really good. smooth. It makes my knees hurt looking at it. Like yeah. arthritis kicks in oh. when he pops his knees yeah. around. <laughs> I mean, geez, I have trouble getting out of a chair. I mean, my back hurts so bad. But... Chair? I can barely get up in the morning. Yeah. I'm not old enough to be doing this, and I am. You know, I always thought it was crazy when my parents would always say, ah, you know. You wait. You your... wait. Yeah, you, you wait. wait. <laughs> well, guess what? I, I waited, and it's not It's not what I thought it was when I was younger. So, now, oh. Justin, if there's anyone in the real estate industry listening to us right now, where are you looking to uh, move the vineyard to potentially? That's a great, that's an awesome question. Yeah, it actually really is because if question. there are real estate agents that are looking at this video, please help me out. <laughs> um, but the market is pretty tough right now and everything yeah. that comes on the market is usually gone within mm -hmm. days. It's, mm -hmm. it's so hot right now. It is so hot right now. I mean, it's, it's finally, yeah. Happened, but. I mean, and as everyone knows, supply and demand, you mm -hmm. know, when the supply is low, demand is high, Prices go up, yada, yada, yada. Rates so, are so great right now. And rates are really great right now. Yeah. And I have a hard time justifying a lot of the time spending more for a property. I know the value's not there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're being very picky, but at the same, mm -hmm. in the same respect, you know, we also want to pick the right location because as we had said, in the, or as I had said in the past, you know, we've been screwed over per se. So we want to make sure that the location fits what we want to do. What makes a perfect location? The community needs to like farming because mm -hmm. we are a farm business. And is that for tax reasons or? That is not for tax reasons. Um, you know, it's funny because my grandparents, when they came over the boat in, from Italy, uh, they were farmers. And uh, I was always sneaking into my grandparents' garden when I was a little kid. And I would eat their tomatoes. Oh my God, they were pissed. And um, <laughs> more so my grandfather. My, my grandmother actually thought it was pretty comical. And um, then I would get chased by my grandfather, and it was a it was a nice uh, you know cat and mouse game. But uh, at the end of the day, I think I really enjoy farming, which um, also brought me into my hemp and wanting to grow hemp uh, because in New York was starting their pilot program at the time mm -hmm. and I just love growing things and I think I'm good at it and I love growing grapes and I like trellising I like you know doing all those kind of things and I just really fell in love with the farming aspect of it so that tax reasons are not it because yeah. we could make better wines not to say our wines are bad I think I may have said that really bad <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we could make more variety of wines that people are more used to how many, but we don't how many varieties do you have we have about seven, seven okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, certain varieties are, are starting to finish out, but the wine industry's tough. You know, you have mm -hmm. to plan a year ahead. So if you didn't make a wine a year in advance, now you're out a year. So you really got to plan exactly oh, yeah. what your releases are going to be a year in advance. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. That's wild. Yep. 
So, and you don't know what the market's going to do within a year. I mean, yeah. no, and take COVID as the biggest That's example. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure for you, it's like you wouldn't have started a bar if you knew COVID was happening. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, and for us, we didn't know COVID was going to happen. So now we're delayed on wine for a year. Luckily, we have a ton of our sangria, which is great. And it's a very good selling product for us. And I'm very happy about it. Thank you. Um, and that we have plenty of, and that seems to be the hottest seller right now. So we're happy to have that around. Sangria, it's yes, yeah, delicious. Yeah. I remember you, so. you dropped uh, the six off. It's gone at night. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm very, very happy yeah. to hear. You know, there's uh, it does very well at breweries actually, which mm-hmm. I've been starting. To well, notice. it gives a nice, different option. Yeah, different option. Yeah, you know, sangria come- and seltzer water. You put a little splash of seltzer in it. Oh, maroon. <laughs> Did I hear you say maroon? By the way? <laughs> oh, maroon. Did I hear a little Italian come on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. My dad lived in Vicenza and Aviano for about eight years. So. Oh, nice, 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 <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. I, Military uh, family. I spoke uh, half and half when I was in kindergarten. They, you know, thought I wasn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, me growing up in Plattsburgh, they were like, "Oh, you can take French or Spanish." And we're like, oh, we're next to Montreal. We'll take French. Mm. Makes sense. Only they taught us like French in Europe. Oh, they yeah. Teach us, yeah like, not Canadian. French, French. Canadian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they speak with like a major twang and accent. And I went up there like my senior senior year, like French five. We only spoke French. And they're like, all right, we're going to go up to Montreal for a road trip and like hang out. And you can only speak French the entire time. Yeah. And they're talking and I'm looking at my teacher and I'm like, you did a terrible job because I had no idea what they're saying, bro. <laughs> Is it a twang or do they just say, you know, we oui, yeah. <laughs> they add like little dialect, like words that are only in the Quebecois, like in their sentences. And trust me, they don't like us Americans. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not during this administration. We, we, we really don't touch them fancy, to be honest. You know, actually, though, I did. You know, this is no. A guy did come into the bar one night. He was from Canada. He was here on work. Mm-hmm. And I would say this was about a year and a half, uh, two years into uh, Trump's presidency. And uh, he was like, you know, your president is wild, to say the least. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'm going to keep this you know, yeah. good enough. He's wild. But he goes, boy, did we get shafted on a North American trade deal. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you, I mean, he goes, we all hate you guys. But, hey, that guy, <laughs> he got the upper hand on us. And I just, I'm like, wow, look at that. And hey, I mean, I don't want to talk politically, but yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's me, you know, by myself saying, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even way too much? So, <laughs> so this property, what do you need? What do I need? I need land. Yeah. I need it to be fertile land. How much mm-hmm. land? Arable land. Um, we would like to be between five to ten acres. We don't. We're not trying to be the biggest winery in the world. We're not trying to break barriers in that realm. And like I said, for us, it's just a passion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what we care about. And if we can keep doing what we've done every year, you know, I've made wine my entire life. And it's been with my father. And it's, you know, it's been with my brothers. If I can continue to do that, that would mean the world to me. And if I can sustain it without having another job, that would be all the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at. So five, ten acres would be ideal for us. We and live off the land. And, and- or so that's another thing where we have a little issue with uh, land is hard to come by in the capital region. Mm-hmm. It really is because everyone's trying to tur- all the old farms that are in this area are trying to turn it into housing because yeah. that's where the money's at. And yeah. I totally understand that. I mean, come on. Yeah. But 
if if I had the opportunity, I'd like it to be in this area. And I don't think I'll settle unless it's in this area because I don't want to move out to the farmland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can you see know. you in like Charlton area. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you, and that's would, not a bad area. You would choose, you you take land in Charlton. Yeah, it's yeah. close enough. Yeah, right. It's close enough. I can still you know represent my brand in Schenectady, Saratoga, Troy, Albany. Yeah, exactly. It's all close. Yeah, you're you're away from Altima Vineyard. You're away from Saratoga wine. Yeah. You're right smack in the middle. It's a good spot for you, I feel like. And we've always thought Boston spot. So I mean, you're not too far off. I mean, yeah. that's, that's been high on our radar okay. to get to get on that. Yeah, in that area. So hmm. yeah. now, do you want to be like a destination vineyard where people can come on premise and hang out, or do you want to be like a contract vineyard where you just do your job and send it out? I want people to come check us out and have a wine tasting. I to want to be tour. very personable. Yeah. I want people to ask me questions about wine, which is why I was so excited to be on this podcast. Like, <laughs> I don't. I've, I feel like ever since the lounge, I don't get asked these questions anymore. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I'm missing something. <laughs> and uh, I, I really want to have a tasting room back, and I, and I want to go back to that. So yeah. So that was also one of the reasons why we left downtown Schenectady because it. We had that opportunity to talk about our wine, but people aren't seeing the process. Mm -hmm. We want to bring people into the wine cellar. We want to show people what we're doing. We want to that be very press. transparent. Yeah. And because when people have those questions, you know, is your wine natural? I mean, it's as natural as it's going to be, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we want to portray that to our customers and we don't want to, you know, hide anything. So we really pride ourselves on making wine the old fashioned way and doing what our family has done for generations. And we want to, you know, give our fruits of our labor in that regard, you know, to our customers. Do you know if your grandparents and, and their uh, family members before them were making wine in Italy? Yeah, so I'm told uh, that um, my father has an aunt in Italy that grew a lot of Moscato grapes. Um, I don't know if she was making wine from them or if she was just selling Moscato grapes. Uh, it's a little... You know, it's lost in translation kind of thing, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah. um, I don't know much about it, but that's as far as I know, is that we did have a vineyard in Italy that was 30 hectares, uh, which, I mean, if you convert hectares to acres. Yeah, was, oh, it's hectares. Yeah, and I, I forget how many acres are in a hectare. I, I mean, if you want, looks like you're looking it up. I'll so. do it right now. Yeah. What is it, 30? Yeah, 30 hectares. People are waiting. Yeah, I know. Well, you guys keep talking. I'm looking <laughs> shit up. No, that's good. So if, when you look at like co collaborations in the brewing industry, do vineyards do that? Like, I don't hear about vineyards that collab. Like, obviously I'm friends with the crew at Fiden's Brewing. Um, they say collab recently with good brewery, the Royal the Meadery. So they did a meadery and they did a honey beer. Okay. Do you guys ever do any kind of cross collabs like that? You know, we did, and it's really hard to mix wine with beer sometimes, but we did do a collaboration with Great Flats Brewing, which I absolutely love Great Flats. Uh, I think the owners are amazing. Uh, I love their vibe. I love everything they're doing. And they're right here in Schenectady, and it's one of my go-tos when I come down here. And we did a Saison, um, it was a Saison Ale which I don't know why you'd make it a season. Well, anyway, it was made with our wine lees and it was actually very, I mean, I'm not going to say it's something that's like a go-to to me and I'm going to be very straight honest with, you know, the products that I make. It's, it wasn't something that I would have all the time, but as a one-off where you're having it and you're sipping, you're like, wow, this is so interesting. Like there's so many flavors going on and I taste so a beer and other industries collabing. So I, I feel like that the wine industry and the beer industry could collab even more. I just feel like it's taboo mm -hmm. at the time right now mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. do something like that. But yep. we ended up collabing with them 
because they were open to the idea. They were new at the time, and uh, I thought it came out pretty well. And hey, it sold. So I guess it was good, right? Nice. It was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, aside from collabing with like another beverage manufacturer, like Malcolm's, um, they're obviously an amazing farm to table restaurant. Yep. Would you ever do like a wine and chef pairing with like someone at Malcolm's or another restaurant like that? Have you ever done something like that or would you be up to it? Yeah, and I would definitely be up to that. And we actually did something like that at Backstage Pub, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. yeah. Nice. We yeah. did. And um, people really enjoyed it. We made a special four course meal for people. And I picked four different wines to pair with those meals. And um, I would love to do this something with you know, Malcolm's because I think that's the next step for me is, you know, we tried it out at a place like Backstage Pub that does make good food and they know what they're Mm -hmm. doing. But to have another farm to table place to do it with, I think we could really make something cool and a good experience for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. that would For sure. It fits totally with that, that farm to uh, table model. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. He's doing a new model over there, um, the back door of Malcolm's where it's like a to go model. Oh yeah. So I think it'd be cool to like pair up your like sangria or something with their dishes. So if you got like you do a bottle of mm. white with your fish dishes or a bottle right. of red with their steak dishes, right. yeah. and that's something that you should definitely reach out to them. That's just my personal opinion. But yeah, and like I said, later. we we've been in the process of moving, so we've been very busy, nice. and it's it's hard, you know. And we're a family business, you know. We don't have yep. an onslaught of employees to get stuff done. So when something needs to get done, it it you know it's on our shoulders, it's on our backs. So. Um, we're a little nice. slow to get to things sometimes, um, but once the move is done, we'll be right back on the horse, nice. and that's something especially that we want to do. Absolutely. So, are you trying to? Um, is there a better time to move the vines? Like, um, are you, let's say you you find a property that you like. Um, Seventy four acres, by the way. Seventy four acres. That's I mean, what it was. wow. Damn. The family, the old family vineyard, seventy four. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's amazing. It's a jungle land. That, I mean, uh, I hear the word 30 yeah. and 74 just seems astronomical. <laughs> what a difference. Um, Metric so system, huh? Let's say you get a, a, a plot of land that you're comfortable with and you, you're going to make the move. Um, I'm assuming you can't just, like, dig up your vines and just move them right away. <clears> no. Um, <coughs> Man, I choked my beer. Such a dumb question. No, 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 not Please. a dumb question. Not a dumb question. Merck, we just talked about him bringing beer over or wine over to Malcolm's. Like, come on, that, that's hard. Now you want me to change some some grapevines over? You know, to a root system on a grapevine is almost like a tree's. I mean, you know, because they're they're they come up every year. It's not something that you have to plant every year. So their root system is very developed, and I think it's more worth it to us to take the clippings off of those vines and then uh, reroute new plants as okay. opposed to taking the ones that were gotcha. around. Yeah. So whoever buys So you'd have to have property. a supply technically of like three to five years, like you said, for your, your crop. Correct. Yep. To make a smooth transition where you didn't have a loss in revenue coming in. Correct. Yep. How many acres, yeah. how many bottles of wine can you make with one acre? So it's very dependent on the grape variety that you're growing. There are some varieties like vinifrol varieties, you know, your your typical cab sobs and chardonnay. Let's talk are, about Concord. You want to talk about Concord? All right. <laughs> Concord will yield a lot per acre, and that's why it's so cheap, and uh, that's why they make juice out of it as opposed to wine. You can make wine out of Concord. I'm not going to say it's going to be good wine, but I mean, it, it is wine. And uh, so you can make... So the actual breakdown is 160 or 150 to 165 gallons 
core uh, per ton of grapes you get about anywhere from depending on the variety two to almost 10 tons per acre so there's a very big variance there you can get two to ten tons of wine of, of grapes, grapes per acre okay and that comes down to how many bottles so for start starting conversions, you have to take the 165 gallons or 160, well, we'll average out of 160, 160, 160 gallons per ton. And then you take the ton. So let's say it's five tons per that acre. So 10,000 pounds. Yeah. And then you're going to take that and you do 165 times the five. And then you have to divide that by. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, oh my god, okay. I feel like it's algebra all over again, and I just don't get it. Um, so, now I'm starting to. No, I can't even get it. Uh, no, but you. Mitch, to, we better be getting to something good here at the end of this equation, dude. <laughs> just curious. If you want me to do this in my head, it's not going to happen. I wasn't. I'm going to tell you how to get there, but you got to do the math I yourself. I just figured, hey, one acre of land, it's about uh, 1,432 bottles. Yeah. Well, no, I don't have. I don't have an answer like that. There's too many variables to mm-hmm. give me an, an, to give you guys an actual answer. Put yeah, it that okay. way. Okay. But I can tell you the calculations so that if it were to be four tons an acre or eight tons an acre, depending on the grape variety, you can do the math and figure it out. Okay. We just want to get it down to profit per grape. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard. You can do that, right? <laughs> I do got to say, it, it is harder than you think because there's just a lot. I can't stress enough how many variables there are. Um, you know, there's a wine that we make um, that could be like the Cap Franc that we made in the past. It's going to yield way less profit margin than, let's say, a hybrid. Okay. Like our newer, right? Did this past season, there was a pretty long uh, dry period. Um, Beautiful. Po- huh? Beautiful. You know. <laughs> is that sarcasm? No, no, that's actually it's, awesome. It's, per- it's perfect. Really? Grape. It's perfect. Perfect, grape. perfect, yeah. Why is that? You want it dry towards the end of the year. It causes, so the grape creates acid. When there's too much water, it likes to create bacteria and mold. Okay. You know, and suffer. Mm-hmm. It's, think about it like a house, you know. And um, when you have a very dry season towards the end of the year when the grapes are maturing, it allows the grapes to drop the acid level and create more sugar. Okay. Does that, so that's good for the year that that happens. Yes. Is there any carryover side effects that may affect them next season with that? The grapes or the wine? The the vine itself, I would say. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. So it's, you really want a very dry end of the year. That's, that would be perfect for winemaking. Yeah. And it's it, and people don't think that way. you know a lot of yeah people it's kind of it goes against the grain of most like yeah. plant health care yeah exactly yeah so and I and that's why when I say that people kind of look at me like what the hell are you talking yeah. that doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. that's why I was like sarcasm right exactly <laughs> like you exactly. wanted to grow yeah exactly Speaking now Justin one of the big things obviously right now in society is automation how do you see automation impacting like vineyards in the next five to ten years like where does that come into play in terms of your revenue, your operating costs, like, are you starting to implement things that your grandparents would have never thought about, obviously, as technology comes into play? <laughs> I'm starting to think you think that I'm a little smarter than I am. Um, that kind of stuff, uh, I guess, I don't really understand the question. Like, I know what you're okay. saying. Like, uh, using, as, like, like using drones for, right, for exactly. spraying or... So, like, I get no, that. Or, like, using... or sensors in terms of, like, your water, your water level, your... Right. Mm-hmm. Your your chloroform, whatever it may be, that's coming in. Yeah, and I think that in the wine industry, 
less water is good because the roots the roots and grapes run so deep that it's able to grab that water that's okay. underneath there that we don't typically see. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think the wine industry is a little bit different as where okay. to automate it, I guess you don't really have to put it on a, gr- like it's, it's, you only need a lot of water when they're trying to grow within those first five years. Okay. So once you're past those five years, you let the grapes just do their thing and nature really takes over from there. It really does. Okay. You can train so it. So your industry is kind of uh, away from that. Like it's very much a grassroots. It, it's going to be the way that you've been doing it historically. You don't see it changing much with. I don't technology see it, coming into play. I don't see it changing much, but like I said, I mean, with technology, especially in farming, there's new things like harvesting techniques and harvesters and stuff like that, and irrigation systems that will make young plants grow much better. So I mm-hmm. think in those stages, it does play a big part. But once it gets to the point where grapes need to, you know, where they're actually being produced, there's really not much I think that would change, mm-hmm. to be honest. Got it. Yeah. Can you greenhouse your like grape growing so that you can do it year round? You could. I just don't think it's cost effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you can do it. It's just not cost effective. As where hemp, I I could easily cost effective make it where it's in a greenhouse, and that's all that we grow is greenhouse grown. But the, your your hemp, the hemp. But the grapes, it just the money's not there to greenhouse grapes because the margins are just not there. So tell take us, us through the the kick play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. This is what I've been waiting to get to. <laughs> Kickfly. Yeah, you know, it's it's very it's been a very taboo industry since its inception. This is these are what you brought right here. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I brought those. And um, it's just it's CBD. It's hemp. It's just it is CBD. Explain it to the listeners because I can't really yeah. see. Yeah, would, um, are, we, are we allowed to smoke them? Yeah, we can if we. I mean, are we are we trying to light up right now? Yeah, sure. Let's, 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 yeah. Let's, um, talk talk to talk to me about it. I'll do one, and you can do one. <laughs> or that, or if you want to pass it around. I mean, it's COVID back. still. It's still COVID. <sighs> yeah. <it's laughs> so, so, you know, sometimes I just don't even think about it. To be honest, sorry. <laughs> you know, and the day that I can figure out these child locks, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So what do we got going on over here, folks? Like we got something happening at JSP. Explain it to us. We got Kickfly Premium. You're hemp missing out. Pre-roll. So it's called I'm, Little Giant. I'm A-OK. <laughs> uh, I'll stick to my uh, liquid gold over here. My, it's, uh, uh, my beers. Canna, when did you start this company? Cannabinoid. Uh, cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. There we go. Child safety can be a bitch sometimes. How the hell did you even do that? I'm, I'm just, telling you, child safety can be a bitch sometimes. Put some elbow grease into that thing. It's you know, it's one of those squeeze cash. You really got to get in there and yeah. squeeze it. And Mitch, pull, it's like your Flintstone. Push push you got to jimmy it. You got to jimmy it. You want me to do it? No, I got it. I think I got it. You don't got it. I don't get You said it over if you'd like. I got it. There we go. There it is. So it, 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 it's, it's, gold it, star. but it smells like weed. Yeah. I mean it's you know, it big misconception with hemp is it is marijuana and it's it's not. It's the same plant, it, is, it comes from the cannabis species. Mm-hmm. But they're genetically I wanna say genetically modified, because they're not genetically modified, but people are crossbreeding and we're part of the New York State Hemp Grower Association and what we do is we crossbreed certain varieties to create new strains that have different terpene profiles, different cannabinoid profiles, and that's very important uh, to hemp, you know, because we're trying to, you know, solve people's issues, uh, you know, whether it be like back pain or anxiety or stress, and 
CBD is really good if, if in taken regularly is very good for the body. Very good for the body. And this is CBD. This is CBD. So you're you're unfortunately not going to get high. No, yeah, no. <laughs> but you will feel very relieved. I will I will tell you that. So for so, our listeners, this is about as close to Joe Rogan's podcast as you're going to get without being on Joe Rogan's like, podcast. Then, there's uh, also I before I do this, would you like to have this? Because I have no, plenty. No, nope, I'm, I'm I'm all set. I appreciate the offer. I appreciate the offer though. There's a little tab on the back I was there. Say, how do you how do you work so this underneath line? the uh, that button your thumb is on underneath it. Oh, let me do it. Oh, yep. Push, push it down. Push, push it down. You gotta push it down. Yep. It'll lock and now you can do yep. do a half press and a full press. Mitch, you're not gonna set off your sprinkler system, are you, JSP? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we're all gonna find out. <laughs> oh man! That is nothing. I am so glad I'm virtual. <laughs> so I, <laughs> there is there's one right there. Okay. So what is the difference between CBD, CBG? Okay. So different cannabinoids give you different effects. Uh, CBD is the big one that everyone knows and people gravitate towards, it's kind of like the buzzword. Um, CBG is very good for uh, cognitive thinking, uh, you know, being more alert and more awake during situations where CBD can give you more sedative effect. Um, And terpenes, what people really overlook most of the time is that the terpenes actually give you more of an effect than the actual CBD does. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is why we're focusing a lot, our brand personally is focusing on how we can up terpene production and terpenes can be smells um, and they're categorized into different categories you know per se and um, but they all serve a different purpose like if you want myrcene which is very prominent in hemp or you know marijuana cannabis uh, it's gonna be very sedative and very relaxing which is why when people smoke CBD or THC, they're mm-hmm. very relaxed yeah. because they have a high content of myrcene, which people don't put into perspective that terpenes play a big part in how you're intaking your cannabis. Okay. So we're part of the New York State Hemp Pilot Program, uh, and I was so excited to be granted a license to grow, and now it's being turned to the USDA as opposed to our um, Agricultural Markets Division here in New York State. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, now it's we're changing over to a more federal regulated as opposed to state regulated for cannabis right now, which is totally fine because we took the steps uh, of being very legitimate and just like the wine being very transparent in what we do. Um, everything that we grew was greenhouse grown and we do our third party testing. We get tested by the state. Uh, everything is very closely monitored. Everything that we cross produce has to be documented. So, and we put in a research report at the end of every year explaining what we did that year and and how we came to the results that we got, whether it's growing someone else's strain or creating your own strain, uh, mixing different terpenes, what effects you feel, you know, all that plays into a part of what that research has to be at the end of the year that we submit to the state. So I think the state's doing their part in actually caring about what we're putting into our bodies. Yep, yeah. So it's really good for us to work with them in that regard, because if we don't, you know, people could go to a gas station and buy some person's backyard Mm -hmm. grown stuff and it could, you know, cause some complications. And that's not what we want as an industry. We want to be very legitimate. Mm -hmm. And Colorado and California lead the industry. But what's to say New York can't be far behind? Yeah. You know, 
they've been in longer, but we have an opportunity to, you know, be in that forefront. So I was very happy to be part of the program and learn more about have more than I ever thought I would in understanding the difference because most people don't understand the difference between hemp and marijuana. You know, people think it's going to get you high, it's going to be bad for you, it's it's a drug. Um, but all we're trying to do is combat the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could combat the opioid crisis, it saves a lot of lives per year. And there's a lot of ailments that maybe you don't need a prescription drug. Maybe you just need a little bit of CBD where it doesn't get you high and you're just, you know, you're better off that way, anti-inflammation, all that kind of stuff. So we're very excited to be part of the, the hemp movement here in New York. So how does that, how do you, how do you even start that? You're going to probably want to light it again. You were talking for like two minutes. I know, seriously. <laughs> you guys have me talking. So how do you, now, sorry, yeah. No, I just have a question. Like under your business umbrella right now, you have the vineyard and you have the CBD. There's a lot of like CBD infused sodas and infused alcohol. Do you see a CBD infused like sangria coming out of your product portfolio down the road? <laughs> you know, I get asked this all the time. I really do. And I don't want to mix the two. I mean, I feel like I'm in two very taboo industries. I mean, (laughs) I really, you know, I'm walking that I'm flirting with the line and I don't want to go to the other side, you know? Yeah. Um, So we try to do things as very meticulous. And I don't think (laughs) that the industry is there yet to really make a judgment call on mixing the two, even though CBD and it's not, you know, because I know in Canada you can buy THC beer um, and it's, it's, it's proven to be just fine. But I, to do that here in New York, I mean, that's a different ballgame. <laughs> you know. Now, one of the big things, like my big hobby is golf. And CBD is taking over the golf world like crazy right now. It's the, the cognitive abilities, being able to like, get laser focused and everything. Have you looked at any kind of partnerships with golf courses or, or getting your product into like pro shops and whatnot? You know, I have not. And it's, I'm very glad you said that because it's something that I never even thought of myself. So thank you for telling me that the golfers are into CBD um, it's some and I know a golfer so I, I probably should know but um, one that's you know almost professional and um, I I never really thought about it but it does work wonders on the body and it really relaxes your body it it it's, is a very magical plant and it will give you the benefits that you need yeah. if taken the right way and if it's constantly being taken uh, you know obviously you don't want to be smoking it all the time um, this is more of like a recreational kind of way to intake CBD, but you know, an oil regimen or, you know, they sell it in pills, gummy bears, uh, chocolate bars. Do you do other forms? Yeah. 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 You know, um, I really do like the tinctures. I think it's very concentrated and it gives you the effect that you need. Uh, we take very good pride in the way that we formulate our oils. We actually made an oil tincture that was mixed with hops oil. Hmm. Partially because I'm involved with this craft yeah, right. industry. Yeah. Yeah. And second, because it's a natural way to get terpenes without deriving it and being overly processed. So we use hemp or hops to introduce the terpenes, excuse me, back into the oil. How long did it take to get the license to, uh, to do the hemp? I want to say only about a month. Really? That's it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot faster than a brewery. Wow. It's a lot faster yeah. than a liquor license. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. It's, it's faster than the winery, too. So I'm <laughs> happy about <laughs> that. Uh, but the reason being is because they are very quick to deny you if okay. you don't meet their parameters. You know, you need to have gotcha. history of growing, history of farming, 
a history of dealing with, you know, for me, it helped out being in the wine industry because I'm dealing with the SLA. The mm -hmm. government knows that the SLA is a bitch to deal with, um, as you may know with Fightins Brewing and you knowing owning JC Pub. And they've been great to work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've done them great things. So. <laughs> Um, and honestly, to be honest, I, I really have not struggled with the SLA. I really haven't. Uh, they actually, you know, I, I said it more as a joke, but I, I will agree with you. They're really not out to get you, no, per yeah. se. You know, my dad always told me, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and have you ever done anything wrong other than open a bar? No. <laughs> yeah, open the bar was the, no. that was the only thing I've done wrong. <laughs> Come on, all right. I said it and I was <laughs> Now, all right, <laughs> that's amazing. Nice for catch. Um, now, pivoting when cannabis becomes legalized at the state level or at the federal level, are you able to quickly pivot to that kind of production and manufacturing, or what's that process look like? No, I would not be able to quickly go into that process um, because gotcha. CBD and hemp is beneficial to the human body. But THC, unfortunately, gives you that high effect. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, it now it's on the spectrum of marijuana. Okay. So and also us as a company, we don't even want to be involved with that. You know what I mean? Well, kickfly. Kickflies, yeah. right. Yeah. Kickflies. Um, because we're more in it for the health value of CBD as opposed to the craze of cannabis. Okay. If that makes sense. And it's. Yeah been you know by a lot of big analysts out there big bank analysts and all that they shoot more towards hemp being a bigger industry than the actual marijuana industry because not everyone wants to be high all the time i mean geez if i had to get these positive side effects and be high all the time i'm gonna maybe opt out because i don't want to be high all the time mm -hmm. <laughs> you know well, so yeah. it's you know so that's why people go to hemp because they can get that benefit that relaxation, that relaxation, and the you know anti-inflammation and the the pain relief, and it's almost like taking an Advil, mm -hmm. except yeah. there's no side effects. You, know, you you take too much acetaminophen or ibuprofen, you know you're either going to the hospital or you know you can croak. You know yeah, well, you yeah. can OD. You can it causes ulcers and bleeding internally. Right. You know, yeah, right. liver and damage. It, yeah. Yeah. Liver damage is a huge one, mm -hmm. and people are gravitating gravitating mm -hmm. towards CBD because it's an alternative that is just better for the body in general. You know, and New York State, unfortunately, wants to ban smokable hemp flower coming January 1st. And I've spoken very publicly um, to the board about not making that go through because it's something where sometimes to get an instant relief, you need to intake it via smoking it. But why do they want to get rid of this? Because it falls along the lines of anything that you have to combust to consume is typically bad for you. I mean, obviously, ingesting smoke is not the best thing for you, right? yeah, yeah. regardless of what it is. And they're trying to eradicate that. But then where's the pressure on the tobacco companies? It's mm -hmm. not there. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a tax reason. I don't know. I mean, that's something that government can answer for all of us. But then again, why don't you just tax hemp just like you tax tobacco companies? Because one's helping a person and one's, right, you yeah. know, detrimenting yeah. their health. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's very interesting to see where that's gonna all lie. And like I said, it's it's not concrete yet, and I hope it's not because our pre rolls do very well, and it would be a big hit to our company. If, where do you sell these? Um, so we're in a couple of places: uh, Smokers Paradise, Upstate CBD, okay, um, uh, Beer Universe, actually. 
there's a couple of places in Cape Cod that we've um, implemented hmm. our CBD, and we're we're growing. I yeah. mean, we're young, and like Pun I said, intended. Yeah, right, <laughs> it's, it's, exactly, exactly. And so you know, it takes a long time for me to get around to in. Like I said, when I take a product out to the market, it's not going to be a half-assed product. So yeah. for me to get a product out to market, it's got to be bunned up to the T and has to be, you know, accepted by third-party testing, government testing, and all that. You know, we're never going to put something out that could ever put harm in anyone's way. Mm-hmm. And that's like wine, too. You know, there's people that complained about arsenic in California wines a while back. Really? Except, yeah. And it, absolutely not. I mean, we're not here to cheat, and we still use old equipment, and mm-hmm. we're going to be as transparent as possible. And I think that's what people lack these days in these large companies, which makes them straight to the farm-to-market aspect. Mm-hmm. And we're not trying to play into it because that's what we've always done. But I will say it's a benefit for us that people are straying more that path. Is there a story behind the, the name, Kickfly? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Sorry. You know, it's that absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Marty McKickfly. (laughs) Because (laughs) clickflies is grammatically incorrect, especially Mm -hmm. the way it's spelled, uh, which actually plays into the funny part of it. Actually, believe it or not, Kickflies was a company between me and friends of mine. um, And we were doing sunglasses, and they were supposed to be eco-recycled sunglasses, and we had this huge social and environmental movement behind it. And we were really into it, and we did a lot of 3D printed sunglasses out of recycled 3D uh, printer filament. Okay. Um, and we teamed up with, um, oh, jeez. So what, they just, they just would chop up the 3D printed stuff and then melt it back down into a new filament? No, we were actually reaching out to companies that were making it out of old yogurt really? um, oh, like containers. The, yeah. yeah, and uh, old water bottles and boxes and stuff cool. like that. Okay. Uh, and we wanted to make a social impact and an environmental impact, and we wanted to show the numbers like, hey, if you buy our pair of sunglasses, it's like two or three bottles out of the ocean or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Um, and everything was going great, and the reason why Kickflies was the name is because I'm in my buddy's car, and I, me, I, have, I sometimes I struggle with saying the right thing, um, I probably my life. It, it, geez, <laughs> tell me about it. Let me introduce you to my friend Mitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> jeez. And guess what? We have that in common. <laughs> and um, I, I, I kept saying I couldn't get the word out. Sunglasses. I ended up saying kick flies. And he was like, "Dude, you're really talking about these sunglasses right here? Like, you can't formulate sunglasses in your brain." Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? Right now, I really can't. We're coming from the gym, too. It's not like we're doing anything taboo. Are you smoking one of these? I was not. It was, this was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, so then we were like, you know what? Let's make our own sunglass brand, but let's, let's change the game a little bit. Let's be environmentally sound. And uh, we never lost those values, even with going with hemp. The reason why we went into hemp was because it is um, carbon neutral, and uh, it actually takes out more carbon out of the air than trees do. And so it fit in with our actual overall goal of what we wanted Kickflies to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and now just, you know, it, it's, it's come into a whole CBD brand and hemp brand. And we're, that's what we're sticking with. And sunglasses kind of took the wayside. <laughs> but we, that is a, that's a crazy verbal whiff from sunglasses to that, Kickflies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no explanation wow. for it. <laughs> so you just have this greenhouse full of a bunch of these marijuana looking like plants. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got pictures and stuff like that. I mean, it's on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, it's on Instagram, so you can see all of our stuff. Uh, Kickflies official, I think, is our Instagram and uh, yeah. Kickflies.com. You can read all about us there. Uh, so we kind of just spiraled into the CBD, and it, it helps people. So, well, yeah, I mean, we're very happy about that. 
Now, if someone, how are you feeling, Mitch? You're about halfway I, through that. I, I will. I'm quite relaxed. Okay. It, it it actually does work, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. People want to say it's placebo sometimes, but I I will say. I mean, I get I get quite the effect off the of CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we we do, do you think it's because of the just inhaling of smoke, and you just kind of get that. That lightheadedness feel, or do you think the CBD really is just... Well, you're going to notice it's going to be longer lasting, so mm-hmm. uh, be on this podcast, or maybe later in this podcast, mm-hmm. I don't know how much longer we have, but uh, yeah, you're going to start feeling really relaxed, you're going to feel more heaviness mm-hmm. in your face. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, Exactly, and that's where I'm feeling, like, those couple of hits, it, it put a relaxedness in my face, Yeah. Um, so you, you'll notice it, it, it does help. I mean, it's, it is... Now, it do you... Do you smoke one of these before you go to sleep um no i don't i don't smoke all the time Mm -hmm. so um if i have an opportunity to take like a tincture i'll take a tincture Mm -hmm. a what sorry like a like a tincture can we explain what a tincture is yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's it's an oil you put under your tongue and the longer you keep it under your tongue is better because your glands in your mouth are able to intake it um more than if you were just Hmm. to just swallow it whole kind of like a gummy you know it takes that's like taking an edible it takes like two hours for it to really set in or you know whatever they tell you so a tincture could be more instant if you keep it under your tongue and hold it there because your glands are taking into your bloodstream much faster Mm -hmm. so when do when do we tell mitch that you gave him arugula Well, it's I, I will say catnip, even but. even secondhanded, I do feel more <laughs> relaxed now than I than I was before those got lit. I mean, Jesus, we're about to get a bunch of uh, new Kickfly brand verbal uh, vomits coming out <laughs> yeah. of JSP shortly. Like. <laughs> now, uh, now, why call it Little Giant? Little Giant is a strain that we use. It's a, a farm down in North Carolina that crossbred okay. it, and that's what the name they gave it. So that's why we call it that. Because we're calling everything by the name bridal of what it is. Uh, we have one cross variety that we crossed. It's called Frosty Flamingo, and I really do like it. It has a really nice terpene profile, and um, we're toying around with it. It's actually an auto flower that gets seven feet tall, which I have never seen in the industry. Um, we've talked to some peers of ours. Uh, they're also growers, and that's pretty astronomical to have a plant that's seven feet tall as an auto flower. An auto flower yeah. is you don't have to wait the entire growth cycle of the year. It goes off of time, so you can get three grows in a year as opposed to one. Okay, wow. And yeah. this, this again is, mm. it, so what's in that is just the flower bud. That's it, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use so, straight flower, no, no trim. So when you are harvesting, um, do you, after harvest, do you cut back the plant at all or just let it go? And you if let you it do, go. for how long? You know, a couple of years or? Yeah, so uh, unlike grapes, hemp, you need to plant from seed every year. Every year. You know, it's not a grapevine where it stays in the ground and it goes dormant and then it comes back to life or awake, essentially. But, you know, you have to plant seeds every year or you can graft. I know how to graft, too. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not a, re- a returning plant. Okay. So it is a weed, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it got its right name because it, it is a weed. It grows just like a weed. And we do everything in separate pots. We don't use the local soil. We do use local soil, but we use... Um, soil that has been made, uh, you know, via worm activity or uh, local now, what, why? decomposition. Why? Uh, because you have a lot more nutrients that way. Uh, the worms moving around just make the soil that much more rich. Aerates it. Okay. Okay. Aerates it, and you need a lot of oxygen in the roots and mm-hmm. able to get a good grow. And that's with any plant. I mean, that's not just weed. That's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need 
aerated soil to grow a nice crop. So, so when the you're done with the plant, are you doing anything with that byproduct? Uh, other companies using it for clothing. Uh, so right now, in the first year, uh, now we're year two, and we're going to be going on year three. We want to start giving our byproduct to people that make you know yarns or make shirts or mm-hmm. now how do you how do you make yarn and shirts out of out of a hemp they take the herd so it's the stalk and then they uh like strip it it's very fibrous okay. yeah so i mean actually it's cheaper in actuality it's cheaper to have hemp paper than it is to have regular paper mm-hmm. um and, and it's stronger it, yeah it is stronger yeah i mean hemp fibers are very strong really yeah, and so I'm a big proponent of not only the CBD and the health uh, realm of it, but also, um, you know, products as well. So shirts, uh, what I really love is hempcrete. Hempcrete is a product you've got out of hemp, but it's concrete, and you can actually build an entire home out of hempcrete. Really? And it's just, I've heard about this before. It, it's, it's cool as hell. It is really cool as hell, and it's something that we're not in the uh, know-how to do, yeah. but watching the videos of it being done is crazy. I, I think it's even with so your construction crazy. background, I, and I figured you'd be all over that. Is that not crazy? I mean, you know, my, my family has been in construction my entire life and my dad was a, a phenomenal Mason. And, uh, you know, I, I, you would think that I would want to turn hemp into more of a building material as opposed to a health material. Cause <laughs> you know, I'm used to drinking wine. I mean, but Hey, wine has its health benefits too. I mean, reserve and all that glass so. a day, right? Glass a day keeps maybe not the doctor. Maybe maybe, not but <laughs> If you he if you can some problems, yeah, helps some problems right? <laughs> If you can build your new tasting room out of hempcrete and then make a hemp infused sangria inside the tasting room, you've come full circle. Oh, one thousand percent, absolutely. I mean you're in the Why not? you're yep. in the business of keeping people relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. Um and unfortunately it's not come back on me i'm waiting to make myself more relaxed because yeah. i feel like i've got so much going on <laughs> that i can't relax but yeah. i'm not trying to get to that point and uh maybe that's why i'm creating products to make me feel more relaxed so uh maybe it's benefiting me and other people as well so so yeah. anyone that's listening to this right now if they want to support you from the cbd standpoint i know the wine you said kaposhawines.com where would they go should they just go to the local retailers that you partner with or is there a way to buy it directly from you they can go to local retailers if they want, because a lot of the people that I supply to are local businesses and they're small businesses, and I would love for them to also get a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. I'm a very big small business uh, supporter. I've been in it ever since I graduated high school. Uh, I never really took the college route, or um, I, I did, uh, but you know, I never actually walked away with a degree. Mm-hmm. And the community and small business, and that's the way I was grown up because my father always had his business and I know how important it is to support these local businesses so I will say that going out and maybe buying it from Upstate CBD is going to be more worth more worth it to me I guess because I'm also supporting someone else other than just myself so yeah absolutely check out Upstate CBD Um, check out some of the other uh, retailers that we're in we post everything on our social media our Instagram our Facebook this any other thing but we also do have a website as well it's called Mm -hmm. www.kickflies.com can I buy can I buy it online you can buy it online yep can Uh, you ship it yep Mm -hmm. we are one of the few well probably not anymore but we were one of the few that actually were part of Square's um, pro uh, I forgot exactly what they called it but it was a program where uh, you can't buy products of this nature 
because it's not like the marijuana business. We get categorized in the marijuana business, so we're not categorized as federally legal, even though we are because we're hemp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the financial institutions don't view us as that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. Right. So they view us as we're just like a marijuana dispensary. So they you can't take the credit card processing. Exactly. Yeah. So we were part of Square's initiation with the hemp industry for that. So we're one of the few websites where you can pay with credit card, you can get our really? product, and I will ship. Yes, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. I went to uh, Massachusetts to pick up some stuff. Nice. And I, this guy gave me the entire like uh, kit and caboodle show. You know, we pull up. Obviously, it's COVID. We have to sit on in the car. They come out to you, and he's very vivacious and was like, "Hey, you know, welcome to Lee." Blah 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 blah. Can of provisions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's and nice uh, yeah, he was, and he was like, you know, listen. He goes, we can't um, run a credit card. He goes, but what we can do is we have this little device right here, and this little device right here is basically a portable ATM. He goes, since you can't use credit card, you can use an ATM to purchase it. So basically, it's going to come up on your thing saying this is blah 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 ATM. And I punch my code in. He goes, yeah, good. He goes, now the actual cost of it was like. $243, but they can only run to the nearest, like that $5 bill. So he goes, yeah. but we're going to run it for 245 Here is $2 and change. In cash. In cash. Yeah. And it right back to me. He already knew what it was going to be, and I was like, oh, all right, perfect. And he goes, and have a wonderful day. <laughs> and what was even funnier is, this is like the first <laughs> time I've really actually gone to a dispensary of that magnitude, and as I'm pulling out, uh, they were doing construction work outside, and in Massachusetts, police officers have to sit on the outside of every construction site. So I'm I'm pulling out with two hundred and fifty dollars worth of weed, and this and this police officer is looking at me with his lights flashing. He's directing traffic. He goes, "Right this way, sir." Yeah. <laughs> and then I cross, it's very bizarre. Yeah, and then I cross the border, and there's like four state troopers just waiting for you know New York license plates to come across. <laughs> It wow. is very bizarre, you know, and it's it's funny because it reminds me of an old story where we went and got fireworks uh, as a family one time, and we're in Pennsylvania, and the cops are helping you load your car, <laughs> and yet they know that you're only a minute over the border with New York plates, and they don't even care. They're yeah. like, hey, thanks for visiting Pennsylvania for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, you got someone on your uh, CB radio? Or yeah, yeah, right, like, he's coming your way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And luckily, it never, it never yeah. came to that, but... Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, we're doing this right. <laughs> yeah, like you're cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, well, Justin, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've covered yeah. everything from the vineyard to the hemp to your background. We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate man. your Thanks. sharing your story with us today. Thank you yeah. for coming in, man. Yeah, yeah. I, and also I want to say to all of you um, that this is an amazing thing. I really hope the other business owners are willing to do something like we're doing right now because this is amazing that you actually get a chance to talk to other business owners and the public i know if i am the public um to other companies and i love hearing what other people have to say about what's going on what their take on covid was or what their take is on local government Mm -hmm. i I love what you guys are doing and i really hope other people will take the opportunity to sit at this round table and really talk and speak their mind because this is awesome for the community Thank you, man. Yes. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> so I also want to congratulate you guys for doing this because I know what effort this takes, um, and not no one else has done it. So yeah. I'm glad that Mitch finally and 
JP and Merck. Merck. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys came together to do this. So that's yeah. that's my saying. That's my final piece for you guys, and hopefully for everyone that's listening. We appreciate it. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy the content. You know. Yeah. We we don't so, absolutely all spectrums there. Yeah. But, uh, well, well, Justin, have a safe and happy holidays yeah. and uh, wish you the best Thank in you. 2021 with all the business ventures and uh, hope that they continue to be prosperous for you. Thank you. And likewise to everyone else. <laughs> all right. And Thank this you. is where we ended. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you for listening, everybody. That's that's Merck's call out. <laughs> all right. Oh, man. That's what you guys actually sound like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not way better.